0: podcast is part of the sports social podcast network the united states border patrol has exciting and rewarding career opportunities with the nation's largest law enforcement organization
1: earn great pay with outstanding federal benefits and up to twenty thousand dollars in recruitment incentives learn more online at cbp.gov slash careers usbp
0: welcome one welcome all on. and you are listening live to the one the only tortillas and takes podcast
1: From football to softball to track and field, tune in to get the best coverage in everything that is Texas Tech.
0: Not only that, but find out what unsuspecting star we get to interview and put on the hot seat.
1: Whether you like corn or flour, eating them or throwing them, this tortilla is for you. So listen to Tortillas and Takes. And as always, stay wrecked, people.
0: welcome back to the Rock Chalk Podcast. I am your host, Andy Metz. Today, we are recapping a fantastic win for the Kansas Jayhawks over the Duke Blue Devils to go to 4 0 something that I was not sure that we would be able to say for quite a while. Look, I knew that Lance Leipold was going to be able to get this team back to where they needed to be, but I didn't expect it to be this quick, and honestly... 4-0 4-0 is a difficult thing to get in any kind of season. So, But to help me to recap this game, talk about all the great things that we saw this weekend, it is Kyle Davis, editor over at Blue Wings Rising. Kyle, how are you doing today?
1: Uh, I'm all right, except that now the, the Chiefs are the bummer football team uh, for me, which is, uh, which is weird to say. But yeah, we're still just living off that hype, watching Twitter uh, mentions get all angry about rankings which maybe we'll get to later and so
0: yeah 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 actually we were gonna go ahead and go there pretty quickly so you just jump-started that because look Kansas (laughs) went to 4-0 and and after even though everybody like literally everybody online was like hey rank Kansas they didn't rank Kansas neither the coaches poll nor the AP poll I can understand the coaches poll maybe not doing it because it's the coaches who don't really necessarily pay too much attention like we we joke all the time about how the fact that you know they probably don't have enough time to actually watch all the games to actually rank people appropriately but you would have expected the AP the media to know better to be able to you know, do it I, I guess rank in such a way that actually makes sense like look I mean I understand that there are some some decent teams out there that there's always kind of some churn at the bottom and some things that you have to question but you know you look at a Florida team that is just two spots below Kansas. Uh, That is two and two with with, you know, not very good of a loss, like the way that they got beat by Kentucky was ridiculous. So the fact that they don't really do anything, I guess, competently with those polls. um, Yes. Should it matter? Not really. But does it matter? The fact that, you know, we don't get to talk about the fact that Kansas ranked for the first time in forever since 2009. I've actually had an article in the draft ready to go for the last two weeks now, expecting Kansas to be ranked so that I could actually talk about it. It's like done, ready to go, that I could throw it out there with basically everything except for the details about Kansas being ranked. So, um, you know, Kansas needs to win this week, so that way we can go ahead and actually publish that thing next week. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, let's not talk too much about the rankings, though. Let's instead dive into what happened in this particular game, because... Yet again, I think this was another Kansas game where somebody else stepped up and was really the star of the game. Like, Jalen Daniels was phenomenal. He had five touchdowns again. I'm sure we'll talk about him. But if you're looking for a star of this game, can it be anybody other than Daniel Hyshaw?
1: Um probably not I think I think we'll get to this too but I think the one thing if we learned anything else um today is that I think Luke Grimm is Jalen Daniels security blanket like on third down like he is the clutch guy that Jalen goes to and so I will say that like you know Grimm was probably he made uh you know a couple of really big clutch catches that could have changed the way that the game ended up going but I mean yeah I mean the the 73 yard reception where Highshaw took on the entire Duke defense alone, you know, gets him worthy of that. But then he was still really efficient on the ground as well. So, I mean, yeah, I think uh, I have absolutely no qualms with uh, with giving it to Highshaw there. But I would say just as kind of an aside, I, I think we're, you know, Daniels did a really good job of of hitting a bunch of different receivers and really spreading the wealth. But I think we found kind of that when he needs a big play on third down or in a clutch situation, He's going to Luke Grimm. And so that's good to see that Luke Grimm stepped up and uh, and made those plays.
0: Yeah, and we were talking going into the year, like, who was that guy going to be? Who was his, his go-to receiver going to be? And, and there are so many different options they could have picked. But you're right. Luke Grimm seems to be, you know, if he's in trouble and needs to find somebody, that's who he has the most chemistry with. Not saying that that's who he's going to go to all the time. But Grimm did have five, you know, five receptions on six targets. He was targeted the most. He had the most receptions. You know, he did get that touchdown touchdown in the corner. Um, And honestly, I think the only one that he didn't catch was one that was just like, it was a, it was a difficult catch for him to try to make, but you know, it was another situation where Daniels needed somebody to bail him out or I should say he needed somebody to go to when he got into trouble and that's where he went and he just, he just wasn't able to connect there. But yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think obviously lots of people point to Jalen Daniels deservedly because you know, if, if you're not talking about Jalen Daniels as a legitimate Heisman candidate at this point, then I don't know what you're watching because he has been absolutely phenomenal through four games. Um, you know, he had a, he has he's had now had two five touchdown games in the last two games that he's had. You know, he is leading a lot of a lot of those, uh, I guess, uh, categories in terms of well, he, I mean, he's not like top in yards or top in rushing yards or anything like that. Just because he does so many different things, and it's not like he's consistent from one game to the next and how he's doing it, but he's definitely being productive in every single game. Um, but kind of back to high shot really quick because you know he did average to your point 6.1 yards per carry on the 10 carries that he had Um, you know he did have that gigantic touchdown uh reception that he had and look it, it was for those that didn't watch it you have to go find the highlights for it because it was it was literally one of the best plays that I've seen in a really long time and it wasn't Daniels that actually made that play like that was all high shot because sure he got it out to him in the flat with a little bit of space but like that was designed as essentially a running back like wheel route screen
1: over a check in the down, flat basically yeah, yeah yeah I
0: mean yeah it was supposed to just be a get it here pick up a few yards and come back for the next play and instead Haisha turned it into I'm going to make six guys miss tackles and I'm going to get all the way to the end zone and then outrun people at the end so like there was a little bit of everything I think Shaw is a completely different style of runner than Devin Neal something that we had talked about earlier in the year but I think the way that he does it complements what Neil does so well, that Kansas now legitimately has a true one-two punch in terms of running backs, and they have a quarterback that can do a bunch of different things. This offense is legitimately scary.
1: Yeah, and well, that's why. And we saw this. I think I, I, I tweeted at the time through the Blue Wings Rising account that, you know, it, you want to think about how scary the offense is, and also credit to Daniels. He had 57 rushing yards on the first two drives of the game. And then by halftime he also then had two hundred uh passing yards on like eleven to twelve. And so especially when you just talk about the running backs, like this is what it is. You you as a defense, you sell out in one area. So like it was Daniels running early and making plays with his feet. You sell out and then you're gonna have you're gonna have plays open in terms of like on the passing game. And then yeah, you're right. Like uh, Neil and Hyshaw are just different backs. You've got the you know, you've got the the zone reads and the different plays that that they can run and just like Again, like that, the the thing that this Kansas offense is doing that offenses for Kansas have struggled really badly in the past is just keeping defenses on their toes, keeping them guessing, and keeping them off balance. And this is what happens: is that you try too hard to to go after Daniels or, or contain them, Great, we're gonna they're they're gonna find another way to to beat you. And there's so many guys, as you've seen, three headed monster at um, a running back. You had four different receivers who had at least 40 yards uh, receiving, like there's just so many ways that they can beat you. And again, credit to the offensive coaching staff for really finding out how to do that and how to mix up the play calls were, were really strong. Again, you know, there's a couple that were maybe a little on the conservative side when, when, you know, and trying to kind of close the game out. But I think uh, overall, this is what the danger is. And when you have someone like Daniels too, that you have to respect both on the ground and through the air, there's just so many different ways that this team can, can beat you. And it's, and, you know, Duke had more big plays when we're talking about like, you know, big plays, like 20 plus yards, like they were doing that all the long. This was more of a, we saw that from KU in the first couple of games. This was more of just a outside of the occasionally like the highest shot 73 yarder that we obviously are already talking about. This was a lot of just like, you know, like beating your will as a defense, like 12 yard gains, like, you know, they were, I think, what, again, like six of eight on, on third downs, just like, you know, one, you know, 11-yard pass conversion to Graham after another on third down. Like, this was just a methodical, like, efficient offense that waited, took their chances, and really capitalized on them. And, yeah, that's that's a scary thing for any defense moving
0: forward. Yeah, I mean, they were, they were six of ten on third down. They were one of two on fourth down. Like, they were just efficient all over the place. Whereas, on the other side, Duke was five of 15 on third down. And two of four on fourth down, like Kansas was able to put them in bad situations in terms of, you know, defensively forcing Duke to do things. that I don't know that Duke was ready to do, but this offense really, I think, set the tone for that. And I do think that the, the, you know, the weird part about all of this, I think, is that Kansas finally gave up a sack, Um, but it was at the end of a very long drive. It ended up causing the punt. If I remember correctly, it was like towards the end of the game. It was the second to last actual drive that Kansas had. You know, and they they drove the ball down and all of a sudden they got that sack that uh kind of stalled that particular drive out. But for the most part, Kansas did what they were supposed to do in that in that instance and bled a whole bunch of time off the clock. But you know, this is a this is an offensive line, I think, that has still they played really well. They gave Daniels a lot of time, and I think Daniels had to do more work with his legs in this particular game. But Duke, I think, has a much better defense than a lot of people give them credit for. Um, you know, I think it's a it's a fairly good defense that's not going to, you know, it's it's fairly similar, I think, to the way that Kansas defense is. That is, it's a fairly good defense that gives up enough yards that it doesn't rate out really well statistically. But, you know, they've actually done a fairly good job this year.
1: And can I say, I'm, I'm, I was happy to see him take that sack because this is one of those times where you get maybe a freshman year Daniels trying to do too much and you make a bad situation worse by trying to throw the ball or, or, or do more instead of just like, you know what, the, the pocket collapse, just tuck it, protect it, go down and, and go on to the next play. So actually, while there was a lot made of, oh no, you know, K it, it actually happened. KU gave up a sack for the first time. I was pretty, I was surprised. I was clapping to see it because there's a lot of times where, yeah, like the KU quarterback would try and, force that ball in or try to do something else and lose it like that that was a very smart play by Daniels who who you know I think he's you've seen the maturity especially in between even just like the end of last year and this year but especially from his freshman year to this year of just knowing when to take your chances and then also not trying to do too much because I think that's really easy for someone in his position to really try and Think you got to put the team on your back and do too much, and that's where again I think the uh, this is where the 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 you know smattering of role players and why it's so important to have so many different guys step up because then that doesn't make Daniels have to feel like he has to do it on his own. He's got support and guys he can trust in the backfield at the receiving core, and it's not just one guy that the defense can take away. So I actually saw that as a really good positive, even though you know it was something we made a big deal about the offensive line sacks are going to happen. I thought that was a smart play overall. I still thought the offensive line played really well, but that was a heads up play by Daniels just to, just to take that one and go on to the next. Yeah.
0: Game. Well, and I think too, like he obviously didn't really have a really good opportunity because honestly, Bostic, you know, the the guy beat Bostic to a spot and he was on Daniels so quickly that I don't know that Daniels could have reacted to it, but it is definitely one of those things. It's better for him to eat those. And the fact that those are so few and far between, you know, in terms of other potential issues, with what we saw from the offense before, actually, before we get there, you know, what you were talking about. And I think it was important in the postgame press conference, you know, for them to be talking about how much they don't really pay attention to what's going on outside. And, and you know, you always hear a bunch of people say that, but it's really easy. Like if they were paying attention to a lot of the press coverage, you know, Leipold, um, you know, has been getting tons of credit and Jalen Daniels has been getting a ton of credit, but they haven't really been talking about many of the other players. And if if that was something where they had been listening and kind of internalizing some of that, you know, praise that had been there, like everybody would be deferring to Jalen Daniels and they're not like you get to some of the other players as well that we're talking. And they were talking about a bunch of different random people, like so much so that it's kind of weird because every single player has another player that I think is their favorite to talk about. Um, And they're not all Jalen Daniels, which has been awesome to hear about some of the other stories, some of the other things that have been happening around the team. But you know, the fact that Jalen Daniels hasn't been taking all that talk about how he is the guy that's pushing Kansas to 4-0 and he's the guy that's doing all this stuff. He's constantly referring to what teammates are doing, how they as an entire team are really doing things. And it's one of those things where you hear a lot of people talk about that, but then you can tell by the way that they play and tell by the way that they carry themselves. that they're like, yeah, I'm the guy. Like, I, I'm the one doing it all. You don't get any of that from Daniels. He is He is as, probably as humble as a player as you can get in this day and age where it seems like he is honestly giving a lot of credit to the guys around the room because he recognizes just how much they actually do, you know, and, and he is willing at a, at the drop of a hat, you mentioned any player's name and he's got something ready to go to talk about them and how well they played, which is, which is phenomenal. And, and really kind of tells how much of a group effort this is for him to have something ready to go. Um, but, you know, questions or issues with this Kansas offense um, there really was just a couple for me. First one, obviously, was the Devin Neal fumble. Um, although it looked like he got some sort of, you know, either got the wind knocked out of him or something happened. He actually came off, went into the medical tent after that, did not come back until the second half, which makes me think that something happened that caused the fumble. It wasn't just Devin Neal fumbling. Um, and then, But then the only other one, the like the only other thing that I wanted to talk about real quick that kind of worries me offensively, we've now seen it, and, and I talked about this in the takeaways, we've now seen it multiple times. With this team, when they get up late with a not, you know, insurmountable lead, they get super conservative, and we saw this, I think, against Duke. We saw this against West Virginia earlier this year. It came back to bite them. They had to go into overtime to win that one. We saw it in the Texas game last year, where they had to go into overtime, uh, you know, in order to win that game because they went super conservative, stopped doing what they were doing to really kind of get uh, you know, positive momentum down the field, and they stalled out really quickly. Are you are you worried about that at this point, or is this just one of these things that we're going to have to deal with?
1: Well, I I guess I will say it's not a it's not solely a, a Kansas problem. I think I think you look across you know college football landscape nationally, and you you see this quite a bit. I mean, I think it's just there's part of a natural inclination to kind of take your foot off the gas, and I'm sure with the, you know, I'm sure from a play calling perspective too. Like I'm I'm not in those you know huddles and and on those communications, but I would imagine too you also don't want to put you in, a, uh, put your team in a position, and Daniels to like make too big of a mis- mistake by trying to force something big, and you know, like it, you're wanting to take care of the football and run the clock as much as possible. So I get that, you know, I, 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 so far I am not too concerned about that because I think in this game particular, I know we'll probably talk about the defense uh, a little bit too. There were a couple of of you know questionable plays that that kept those drives alive like the Gavin Potter you know was was um was Riley Leonard actually out of bounds or not the the Lonnie Phelps late hit you know as he was going down like these like kind of very close like kind of not even I won't even call them kind of bonehead plays but you know just like these 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 mental lapses on the defensive side that if those didn't happen could have changed things pretty you know differently anyway for a team that you know KU scored. There's some. There's some. I think nits to pick, but I mean, uh, Kansas still scored 35 points against a, a power five school that, you know, d- despite who they had played, was still undefeated and and was playing well. And so, yeah, I think, I think I think it's natural. I, I think that's something that I would imagine kind of gets probably fixed uh, over the uh, over the course of the year, especially when you know you have to imagine that they're going to continue to add to the offensive playbook and just add in new sets and that sort of thing as we go. So it it is something to watch, uh, but it's not, I also think this offense can just when they have to just, you know, just like, backyard football it just go and score like make plays they can do that enough that it's not I don't think debilitating at this point
0: yeah I mean it, I think it's definitely something to watch it's something to potentially worry about I, I think that the first time it actually costs them a game um, you know then we will see them kind of potentially change it but for now it's working um or you know hopefully they'll get to a point where they actually lose a lead and are able to come back and win it and then figure out hey we need to be you know super productive moving forward and not kind of clam up at the end of the game but there's only so many things you can do. Like, if that's going to be your one thing, well, that means that they got out to the lead in the first place and that the defense has to step up to try to keep them from having to go to overtime. So, but, uh, all right, I do want to go ahead and switch over to the defense like you were talking about. But before we do that, I need to throw it to a quick break. We'll be right back on the Rock Chalk Podcast. Boom. Bosco's Boys is here. I think we all wanted it. And the marriage is officially official. I'm so pumped to bring my show to The 1012 Network, Bosco's Boys, the most consistent K-State podcast out there. Over four years, with at least one episode a week. Bringing live shows to the listeners and to the participants every Wednesday at 7 p.m. I'm pumped to be here, and I would love it if you guys came over to Bosco's Boys and gave us a listen. Because we are not Big J Jurnos. This is a podcast by a fan and his dog. For fellow K-State and Big 12 fans, and I can't wait to chop it up with all the members and fans of the Ten Twelve network. And we're back. I'm here with Kyle Davis, uh, editor over at Blue Wings Rising. We are recapping the Kansas versus Duke game, where Kansas won 35-27 to move to 4-0 on the year. And Kyle, you mentioned it in the first segment. Uh, there was some uh, officiating uh, issues, I think, in this particular game. There was a Let's see a late hit on the quarterback when Riley Leonard kind of slid halfway and it definitely looked like Lonnie Phelps was, I, I don't know if he like tripped or something, but he fell and slid into him and they went ahead and threw a flag on that. Um, you had national writers that were talking about like, there's no way that that's a foul. Um, like, I don't understand why they did that. And then on the final drive where Duke where, where Duke scored for the final time, there was two really bad calls. I think um, one of them, the late hit for Gavin Potter Hitting Ray Leonard out of bounds when you can see on the replay very clearly that Leonard had both feet on the ground when he got hit in bounds. Um, that's just one of those things, and and Leipold actually talked about that in the press conference afterwards about how like you know we saw some of those and and they were uh, definitely um, questionable at best uh, in terms of whether the guy was actually out or not. Um, and so he basically said everything he possibly could without getting fined for talking about officiating, and, and the way that he phrased it was more in a, hey, you don't want to pull him back because, honestly, it looked like that might have been a legal hit, you know, and so we don't want him to lose that aggressiveness. So, like, I can't blame Gavin Potter for that one. The, I believe it was Romello Dotson who got flagged for pass interference on an absolutely perfectly timed play where he went to go try to catch the ball, happened to go over the top of a guy, and the back judge, who couldn't actually see what happened, just saw Dotson up above a guy, um, you know, through that flag. The, like the in, in fact, that was really, I think, the biggest thing with the officiating here is that you had several several times, it wasn't necessarily that the officiating crew was, you know, bad or doing their jobs wrong. It's just the guy that was out of position was the one who made the call when you had multiple guys that were right there in position that said, no, this didn't happen. And instead of talking about it and getting the call right, They just went with the guy that threw the flag because it's a quote-unquote judgment call. Um, So, like, you know, we talked about, or I should say Leipold talked about how penalties was an issue, but they had seven penalties, and three of those were ones that honestly, you know, if you're looking at this objectively, shouldn't have been a penalty. So I don't think that penalties really are an issue for this team. Like, if you have to have those kind of weird calls in order to get to the point where penalties are a problem, then you really don't have a penalty problem. So I I don't know that that, that that's an issue. But looking at the defense um how- how would you rate this defensive performance because while I think they stepped up in some big moments you you mentioned earlier Duke got a lot of chunk plays in this game. There were a lot of times where it felt like the the Kansas defense should have been making a play, should have done something and either missed a tackle or had a guy out of position or something happened that allowed Duke to just get a huge gain for whatever reason
1: yeah so i I guess first off on the on the penalties you're right i got think this is something where it's just it's you know. It's collegiate referees. Same thing with college basketball. Like I always say, everyone complains about college basketball refs. And like they're, you know, the thing about college basketball refs is they're going to burn everybody at some point. Like it's gonna, it's, it's like no one is safe from college basketball refs. And that's a little bit the case in football too. I think, you know, I also did see that Lonnie Phelps kind of came out and did take some ownership of just like putting himself in that situation. You could say whether it was actually a late hit or not. And and you know so I I do think there's some of that just like awareness there and he he owned up to that but I think you're right you don't want to necessarily you live with a couple of those to keep the aggressiveness on the other plays to where you know like when you actually absolutely need them because I you know the thing with this defense is I think the the word I would use most is opportunistic you know they had some big fourth down stops uh you know. Dotson had some huge uh, pass breakups. You know, Kobe Bryant was was there at the end on that fourth down, last final fourth down play to to disrupt it. And so, I think the other thing is to Duke is a good offense. I think you got to give them credit for that, and the fact that they they only put up 27 points is, you know, actually you, you kind of you, it's kind of like those Chiefs defenses from a few years ago where, it, where it's the epitome of "been but don't break you know i think that's where there's gonna be some i think this defense is just gonna give up some some yardage uh i i will say though that i am glad to see that i think there's a couple of you know the last couple of years where it's so demoralizing when you can't stop anyone on the ground and teams are running for 250 yards against you or 300 yards like it really does seem like the rush defense you know duke averaged four yards a carry you live with that if you're if you're KU for like holding your opponent to four yards of carry and make them throw the ball. Now obviously there are some angle things. There was also though some it was almost like a revolving door with injuries where, you know, uh you know, Melo Dotson had to go out with a shoulder. Then you had you had uh, a couple other like it seemed like on cornerback it, it was just I think maybe it was it OJ Burrow that came out for one D J. Point. Weathers came out for two. a
0: few plays you had uh, yeah was- Kobe Bryant came out for one play like you had guys that were yeah getting banged up and having to come out and then go back in um, right Dotson got a stinger so- on his shoulder after a huge hit Craig Young had some huge hits as, as well um, but yeah guys were just kind of in and out. During, I guess, the middle portion of this game.
1: So, yeah. So, I, I, you know, if I was going to grade the defense, I would say probably in the B minus C plus game. Because I I do think I would like to see more pressure on the quarterback and really that front four, front seven disrupting things. Because some of those times it really did feel like Leonard had way too much time. To throw and at that point, then the secondary is going to break down at some you know if you give give any quarterback seven seconds back there, clean in the pocket to think and wait and let his receivers just kind of you know hot route it, then they're going to something's going to open up. So I think the big plays are a concern. I will say that I am I'm proud that the it does the defense stepped up and also made some big plays at some very opportune times and some big fourth you know fourth down stops. The run defense is better in years past. Get a little bit. You know, better pressure on the quarterback and, and kind of contain some of that. And I think, uh, I think this defense can get to a solid B. Obviously, the offense is always going to contain or always going to be the one to drive the Jayhawks forward. And that's kind of the beauty of, with that offense is that you don't need an A plus defense. You need a solid B, B minus defense that's going to, you know, you, you basically know that you got to get one more stop than that defense is going to stop your offense, which in this case, in many cases, you like your odds there. And so I think if you can keep being opportunistic, keep not getting dashed on the ground, which is going to, you know, the worst thing that you can do is keep Jalen Daniels on the sideline for long periods of time. So if you're the defense, you want to get off there as quickly as possible. And the one way you do that easily, along with, I guess, giving up big plays, which is the not so good thing, but as you got you got to stop the run game. And so they are doing that. There's some good signs. I'm interested to see like Iowa State is a very different make up than some of these teams that that KU has played recently. So I'm really interested to see how, you know, looking ahead to next week, how the defense approaches that matchup. But overall, there's definitely areas of improvement. There were some also things that just, you know, those penalties kept some of those drives alive. Uh, There were some injuries. Overall, if you look at it, yardage aside, you say, hey, we held a power five uh, previously undefeated team to 27 points at home. You take that because you know your offense is going to score more than twenty-seven points m- more times than not.
0: Yeah, I mean, and and it's definitely one of those things where you know this is a very opportunistic defense. This is a defense that you know you are not expecting them to completely shut down the opponent. And as we get into the Big Twelve, you're going to have more performances like that where you really just need them to do enough to keep you in the game. Um, but but to your point, like you know, this was a defense I thought that did a really good job um, making sure that Duke didn't get big conversions. They stopped them on a couple of fourth and ones, like really big plays there for the way the defense was doing things. Craig Young made big hits. You had a bunch of guys that were making big plays throughout the game and it was great to see all of that. Speaking of great opportunistic things, uh you can be very opportunistic this week only for a special promotion we are doing with sponsor here on the podcast. Homefield Apparel. Homefield Apparel has the most comfortable vintage college sports apparel anywhere. T shirts, sweaters, hoodies, joggers, all kinds of great stuff. And for this week only, you can actually go ahead and take advantage of a wonderful promotion that we are doing as part of the 1012 network. The 1012 network has a special promotion going on with Homefield Apparel. Go over to homefieldapparel.com. And if you use promo code 1012week, that is T E N 1 2, the word week, you can actually go ahead and get 15% off of. Any of the uh, 10 shirts that they have identified for the schools currently in the Big 12. um, This is open to not just brand new uh, customers, but also to everybody in the, uh, I'm sorry, everybody who has made purchase before. So this is open to literally to everybody. You can go save 15% off of that selection. Um, There is one shirt, again, for each school in the Big 12. The Kansas one is the Hail to Old KU shirt that I have, which is absolutely phenomenal. I promise you're going to love it if you haven't gotten it already. Um, so, again, head on over to homefieldapparel.com. Use promo code 1012week uh, this week to get that special deal. And, of course, if you have not ordered from them before, you can use co- uh, promo code chalk 12 to get 15% off your entire order no matter what you get. Um, and all orders over $100 get free shipping. But, okay, now you kind of mentioned it a little bit. Moving head to Iowa State before we though take a quick look at Iowa State here, Kyle. Anything else from this Kansas Duke game that really jumps out to you?
1: You know, I guess on the uh, we on staying with the defense for a second. Obviously, Kobe Bryant has been the one that's gotten the most attention from the secondary, but I do think that Melo Dotson played really, really well um, for the majority of that game, despite having you know being really banged up at certain points. So I do want to say. You know, obviously Lonnie Phelps got got a little more aggressive at, at the second half and saw him again. He's been a, a recurring name. But yeah, I, I just want to say, like Dotson, you're seeing some of these guys uh step up. And this might be one of those things in the in the defense too where it's a different guy or different group each game that's coming up here. And that's that's good to see as well. But there's you know, Rich Miller is is continuing to just be just a presence. You see, I feel like I see him just around the ball at all times. Um, but yeah, Melo Dotson, I think was, was another one who kind of deserves a shout out after just the way that, um, uh, the way that he played there. And then I guess the other one is just, Hey, Jalen Daniels loves his tight ends too. And it's good to see Trevor Cardell, Jared Casey, both had some big plays. Like I know Luke Grimm's the guy he goes to when, when it needs to, but, uh, he's really sharing the ball well and I think that's going to even be you know again this is a defensive nightmare for defensive coordinators of like who do you stop out of these seven guys who can all go make a play at any given in given possession
0: yeah I mean and and to your point Romelo Dotson had the most tackles from for the Jayhawks with nine eight of those on his own you know including a tackle for loss and had two huge pass breakups so like he had a fantastic game, a ton, doing a ton of different things. Lonnie Phelps had a sack, the only sack that the Jayhawks got in this game. He also had a tackle for loss. OJ Burroughs, like you said, you know, made some big tackles. Craig Young had some big hits. Rich Miller was all over the place. Didn't get as many tackles credited to him this time. But again, like Kansas had a bunch of different defensive guys all over the place. And yeah, Trevor Cardell got his first career touchdown reception from Jalen Daniels. Um, in this game so that was great to see all right I do want to go ahead and take just a quick brief look at this game coming up from the Kansas perspective Kansas is hosting Iowa State for homecoming week this week coming up Um, if you when you start to look at that matchup what is the the the, the first thing that jumps out to you about these teams
1: I think the first thing is that the you know this is not your last couple years Iowa State there's a lot of new players uh, involved, which I think KU fans will be glad to see. No more, you know, Purdy, no more Brees uh, Hall. And I think that's the big thing is that just there's really not – this is not the, the gashing, rushing attack from Iowa State that you've seen at least so in years past so far through four games. I mean, they're, they're just averaging, I think, 3.9 yards on the ground so far, 133 yards on the ground for the game. Uh, this is a, a little more balanced attack. It's not quite the the you know I think the the kind of staple for Matt Campbell. Of what he's been able to do the last couple of years is really you know he he just draws out these possessions. He he owns the the clock that sort of thing. I think it's harder to do that with with them this year. So I am interested. Uh, you know the the defense has been has been pretty good so far, which is an Iowa State staple. They also haven't played some great offenses. And when you have, I think Baylor was probably, you know, going from like Iowa's offense to Baylor's offense is about as dramatic on the spectrum as you can go, uh, from one team to another. So I think Baylor was still able to do some things that I think my and the offensive coaches can look at and maybe replicate, but yeah, this is just, you have a certain, there's a certain style that you have in your head, I think from watching the Cyclones the last three or four years with a lot of those same guys, uh, in the skill positions uh, that are no longer there, that it's just it's it's a new look cyclone. So you gotta have to throw away some of the preconceived notions of what this team is uh, because they're just they're just not really that anymore. They're, they're, the identity is still there, but they're just not they're not gonna pound it down your throats in the running game at least so far that like they have in the past, uh, and it's just kind of. You know, also I think Hunter Deckers is is, he's gonna make some mistakes. He's got five interceptions already through four games. Like there's going to be times and opportunities, I think, for for defensives to capitalize on this Iowa State offense.
0: Yeah, I think the thing that jumps out to me is that this is a normal Iowa State offense where they typically like to play ball control, they like to, you know, do short passes, they like to really methodically work their way down the field. But what they don't have this year that in the past has helped them to continue to push and really kind of this high flying offense that they've been is that they don't have a running back that can break an eighty yard run at any moment, like like Brees Hall. Um, you know, they had Brees Hall, they had David Montgomery, they've had they've had a really good running back on that team for a really long time, every single year. They don't have that this year, and Hunter Deckers is trying to learn on the fly to do the same sort of things that Brock Purdy did without that safety valve of having a, you know, a running back that can run off big plays. The the defense, while in the game against Baylor, they definitely did get, uh, I guess, kind of, well, mildly screwed over um, by the targeting call that happened on the first drive. It was questionable. The fact that they reviewed it to call it targeting was the part that I probably had the most trouble with. Um, but, you know, to lose one of your starting defenders that early in the game, literally like five plays in the game, that completely changes the entire complexion of the whole game. Um, I don't think that this is going to be, you know, an easy task for the Jayhawks at all. But I do think that there are ways that Kansas can attack and Kansas. I, I would honestly say that I think Kansas has a better offense than Baylor does. Um, you know, even when you take into account the difference in who's going to be available, um, for the rest of, or for, for the entire game here, I think that Kansas has an opportunity to move the ball. I would not be shocked to see Kansas being, you know, scoring in the high thirties, low forties in this game, because this offense can go ahead and take advantage of it. Um, the real question is just how good is this defense going to be? Are they going to be able to, to get Hunter Deckers into those kind of situations um, that we saw Baylor get him into where he's throwing a pick or he's doing, you know, making a not so great decision. Um, you can talk all you want about, you know, who Iowa state has played. I, I will agree. I think that Baylor's are kind of the first, I think all around team that is, that is decent on both sides of the ball that Kansas played all year long. Or I'm sorry, that, that Iowa state has played all year long. Um, Yes, they won the game against Iowa, but you know, Iowa's offense is literally I think the worst in all of football whereas their defense is literally the best in all of football. So like that huge disparity there made for a game that I don't know that you can really tell too much about the quality of what camp, uh, of what Iowa State has and that Kansas will be facing in this game coming up. So um before you out of here any 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 final thoughts about the game coming up or anything we talked about already?
1: Yeah, I, I will. I, I think it, this goes back to the, the the polls and everything as well. Because so you have, I think it's interesting. I think if you know, there's a lot of salty Ku fans, and I get it. Like today, But now look at it. You have homecoming coming up on your on your way to a second straight sellout. You you're not getting ranked, uh, and also Iowa State's a three point favorite. Like, at least for those scene, you said the, the Jayhawks don't look much at like outside, we'll, like, let them read this week. Let them get fired up and go make a statement. And actually, I kind of, I you know, in a weird, if you want to do a silver lining on this too, this is probably good for Kansas as well, just from the, like, you have national media now and not a joking way actually saying, hey, Kansas should be ranked and it's only because of Kansas, that they're not, like, this is not a, a delusional fan base just trying to, you know, like, makes something more of what has been a good start this is like there, there's almost like a, a mystique around this program that's like flying under the radar people still won't take notice you know we're, we're there's they're getting backing from from uh from national journalists who otherwise would have no reason to have to back you know the Jayhawks other than it's just a good story so I you know we'll see if they actually come back and 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 use all of those things to just make a statement on Saturday but it's kind of the perfect storm of if you talk about bulletin board material and you talk about you know the atmosphere and actually having a home field advantage and 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 you know I'm I'm going to be there I think you're going to be there as well I'm very excited to see the booth pack like this like this could be a recipe for the Jayhawks have everything that they need to just go out and and prove anyone else uh, that's a doubter uh wrong and Perfect situation with homecoming, the fans, and, and just chip on the shoulder.
0: Yeah, it's it's funny to hear. Like, a lot of the questions were still like, how surprised were you about this 4-0 start? You know, like all of these questions of it's like, oh, my gosh, how is this actually happening? The team feels like this is where they should be. The, the team feels like the way that they're playing, the way that they're preparing, this is it. Like, this is this is where they're actually supposed to be. And so, kind of to your point, you know, the fact that game day didn't even sniff coming for this particular game. Now, obviously, I think Iowa State losing kind of made that even more difficult. If they were both undefeated, then maybe you would have talked about it. But just the fact that, you know, there is really nothing going Kansas' way right now in terms of the, the respect, which is good for this team, I think, because they're going to continue to play with that chip on the shoulder. Anytime someone wants to talk about how good they are and how people are taking them seriously, you can say, well, yeah, but they're still not ranked. You know, they're still all of this stuff is still happening so they can keep that that chip on their shoulder. They can keep doing what they need to do to be super effective in these games. And I think Iowa State is the perfect team for them to have an opportunity to go ahead and do that. It'll be interesting to see if they're able to get the win in this game and then what happens after that. But, um, all right, that is going to go ahead and do it for us today. Kyle, thank you so much for joining me. Um, make sure you guys check out all this great stuff that Kyle is doing for us over at Blue Wings Rising. And, of course, you can find all of his his own personal stuff over on twitter at kyle davis 21 um all of his articles that he writes for the site though will be on blue wings rising he does run our twitter account over there at blue wings rise as well on twitter um but that is going to do it for us today thank you guys so much for listening if you have not already please to go out wherever you get your podcast where it's apple Podcasts, spotify stitcher any of the other million apps that are out there just search for rock chalk podcast so you can subscribe get every episode as soon as it comes out to give us a rating and a review, five stars, and nice comments would be absolutely fantastic. But if for whatever reason you can't do that, just let us, let us know what it is we can do better. We really do bring the podcast to you guys, get you all the information you need in as entertaining a way as possible. We are part of the, uh, I'm sorry, so, so if you ever have any questions, comments, suggestions, people you want me to try to interview, anything like that, contact me by email at rockchalkpodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at rockchalkpod. We are part of the 1012 podcast network over on the sports drink network. Um, we you can cover or find all of the teams or all of the podcasts covering all the teams in the big 12 over at 1012network.com and like i said make sure you visit our sponsors this week prize picks use promo code shock 12 to get that great deal from them and of course make sure you take a part in our ten twelve week over at home field it's a fantastic thing but that's going to do it for us today thank you guys so much for listening we will catch you guys next time on the rock chalk podcast
1: Podcast Network.